0: On this week's episode of the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I share my interview with Eric Norin of Peacock Groove. Eric is in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's hashtag working brand. He's got a lot of frustrations, and this week you're going to hear all about him. Each week on the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I get on the phone and I talk to someone in the frame building industry for 30 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever, and we talk about frame building. We talk about the things that get us inspired, uh, you know, our perspectives, why we care, uh, what makes us jaded and frustrated. That's a common theme uh, for anyone working in the bike industry for an extended period of time. And, uh, and this week is no different. Uh, We got Eric Norin on the show, and um, I love talking to Eric. I think he's a brilliant guy. I think he takes frame building in a different direction than a lot of people. And um, he's just always fun and funny to talk to. He's a real character, and... um I don't know, I, I always enjoy my conversations with him at trade shows and stuff. So if you don't know Eric's work very well, it's really a departure from a lot of the frame building world. To give you some background, he started building bikes somewhere in the 90s, I think in the mid-90s. He was an employee at Kroll Cycles. He made a bunch of bikes there. And then uh, somewhere later on in time, he departed to do his own brand, which is called Peacock Groove. And uh, and it's pretty well known, actually. Uh, what, what he's done with the Peacock Groove brand is to do a lot of theatrical stuff that's out there a lot of his bikes have been themed off of like pop culture stuff you know he did a evil dead themed bike he did uh one that was based on uh some candy i forget the brand name uh uh you know like candy he did he did a M- minneapolis moline tractor theme bike he did uh Just so many different weird off-the-wall things. Uh, You know, Prince is from Minneapolis and died and was an important figure to a lot of people, an important artist to a lot of people, and he did a tribute bike to Prince that uh, was on display in I think more than one museum. Uh, He was also part of, I don't understand exactly what it was, but he was part of a highlighted artist's sort of thing that like Balvaney Liquor did a couple years ago uh, liquor, I don't know. It's like whiskey, I think. Uh, but anyway, Anthony Bourdain was like sort of the, the host of that event. And so, uh, Eric, along with some other people were I think flown to New York city and they got to sort of demonstrate, uh, you know, to show off the things that they had made. And, um, I don't know. I think that's really cool. You know, Eric's work is not just to gain attention from other frame builders. You know, like I think I'm guilty of um, making work that the subtlety of it would be lost on most people. Like most people wouldn't notice what I was doing. They would just, you know, oh, that just looks like a steel bike. But other frame builders might appreciate some of the details. When you look at Eric's bike's, Uh, I think he has a lot of that going on and he has the broad strokes. He's doing wild and wacky stuff that any person, a five-year-old kid or someone, you know, a pro racer or anyone can appreciate like, wow, that's off the wall. Never saw that before. Never thought I'd see that in a bike. And I think it's partly because of that um, that his work really speaks to people in in a way that most custom bikes don't. Uh, whether or not you think that's the coolest thing in the world, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I think that there need to be people in the industry doing that sort of thing. And he got recognized for that and good for him. I'm, I'm glad that he did. I think he deserves it. want to give a warning that there's a lot of swear words in this episode. And also there is a homophobic slur that is used in a in the context that he's quoting someone else where it's clear that that was a problem uh, that they used that word. And similarly with a racial slur. And um, these are words you're probably not supposed to say at all, right? But um, I'll leave them in the interview. That's fair warning for you. I think uh, if you listen to the content of what Eric has to say, it's pretty clear uh, what he means. Uh, but uh, anyhow, let's get into the call. I'm going to play it, uh, as it as it was recorded. Here it is.
1: I'll say it now, and I don't know if you're recording or not, but uh, running a business by yourself, Mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things to do. And if anybody can sit there and actually say, well, I could do better, well, then why aren't you? Yeah. Get up off your fucking ass and show me. I want to see it. Like, fucking live that, live that fucking fame. Go out there and do it because here's the deal, it's the hardest thing ever. True. Try running a restaurant by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the manager, you're the busboy, you're answering the phone, you're making the all, so, Oh, you better fucking get those drinks done. Hey, who's cooking that fucking rack of ribs back there? Who's going to bring it to the table? You know, so... So it's a very dismissive. It's a very easy thing to say. Well, he doesn't know what he's doing. I'd do it better. Blah blah blah. Well, if I did it, well, you're not. You're yeah. not. You're not, motherfucker. So don't, don't. You know, get off your fucking Monday morning quarterback shit and <laughs> go fucking do something because it's the easiest thing to say. I could do better, and it is the hardest thing to do to prove it. Yeah. So
0: yeah, it's not easy at rant all. Rant over. Yeah. No, I mean it's just you gotta. Uh, I had Carl Strong on last week, and he was saying, you know, when you run a frame building shop, you are two two job positions. You're the frame builder and you're the business owner. And like, those are two very different things, and you need to do them at the same time. And it's really, it's like two different jobs that require, I feel like your brain, for a lot of people, for me anyway, your brain has like one gear, which is like making stuff, technical problem solving, getting it done. And then you have like the other gear that you need to shift into, which is like the big picture mode, make sure invoices are paid or like rent or your customers don't hate you or something. And I feel like it's a very different space in your brain. And you need to do both of those kind of all the time if it's a one man show and and you're responsible for everything.
1: It's the toughest thing ever. And and hats off to Carl Strong because he does it pretty well. And I'm by pretty well, I mean pretty fucking well, you know, but we also have like, I remember back in the day when, when he was doing this, uh, how to run your business thing as like a side seminar at NABs mm-hmm. and there was a person there and I, uh, you know, I don't care if he knows or not. I I just don't fucking care anymore, but there is a person there saying like, Oh, we spent $40,000 in getting dropouts made. And I was like, what, what, what? Like that's just dumb. And I mean <laughs> I really you know I had a couple beers and I was I was laughing with somebody and I was looking at it and I wanted to be like you're an idiot. You spent $40,000 on dropouts like what are you what are you doing? Why aren't you buying equipment with that? Why aren't you buying a building? You, you know like it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make sense but um you know one of the dirty secrets of frame building and Um, my position is very different, but, uh, a lot of these guys sit and tell you how to do stuff, but they're building in their garage. They're not, they're not doing it in their own shop per se. Yeah. And, and you know what? Some people don't like this opinion, but I tell you what, it has hit me hard how much money I paid in rent. And right now I'm in a little bit of trouble because I've had some health issues and, you know, you can't weld, you can't answer phones when you're in the fucking hospital and, you know we're gonna see what's gonna happen, but you know I have a shop that I pay rent at. I don't do it out of my garage. You know, yeah. uh, I'm also running Peacock Groove Cake Bikes, and now we just started Red Hot Icing, which is our powder coat shit.
0: Oh man! And that's a really good you name. You know, it's, I love
1: the name. It's so oh, thank you because some people are like I don't get it, and I'm like, you know how people say the paint job is the icing on the cake? Yeah. Well, literally, I have a brand called Cake. And what red hot represents is it's, it's red hot, like welding and it's the icing on the cake.
0: Yeah.
1: Like it's the finishing part of it. And if like, people can't like see why that's at least remotely cute or clever. Mm-hmm. I can't help you out.
0: I you think know, it's a And perfect that's a name. new
1: thing too. Well, well, thank you because it's, I think it is too. And some people were hesitant at, you know, telling me like, well, I wouldn't do that. You should do this. And I tell you what, like, I'm at a point in my quote-unquote career where people just need to shut the fuck up. They just need to shut the fuck up. I don't need your random back-ass word, no experience having advice.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't go tell women how to wear a sports bra, <laughs> even though I could probably use one. But, you know, it's just, it's, and the reason why I say this it because it's none of my fucking business, yeah. you know? Um, ironically, I just had two people come into the shop today. They're women-type people. And they're like, hey, we need to fix this. We need to fix this. And some shit was kind of fucked up on their bike. And I didn't sit there and mansplain. I didn't tell them what to do. I asked them, hey, do you want help? And they're like, um, yeah, what do you think is wrong with this? And then we fixed it. And we sent them on the Mary.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's important. But getting back to my point of like unsolicited advice, man, I, you know, on Facebook, on like the World Mechanics forum, and even in some of the frame building uh, forums that we have in there, Yo, know, some of you people just need to shut the fuck up, get off the internet, don't be on it, you don't belong, It. you're not helping, you're an asshole. You know, it's just, it's, it's really disheartening for me to see people come into this and get chastised, and even though sometimes I do it, where they're like, hey, I've never even held a wrench, I want to build frames, what tools should I start getting? And you're like, whoa, 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 guy. That's like saying, I've never ridden a bike, but I want to get to the Tour de France. How should I go about doing that? Mm -hmm. Like, nah, man, that's not for you. Don't, don't bother. But you know, back to the whole like shop versus whatever garage shit. Understand this. I am not making fun of those people's skills or what they built. What it's doing is that it's artificially making everybody else's who has a legitimate shop harder. And if you want to argue this, there is no argument because you're paying your house mortgage and I'm making someone else money and you can say, Oh, that's dumb. But you know what? People's life experiences are different. They vary. Um, you know, I have bad credit. It's funny that in the last 10 years of renting, I've given someone over $420,000 in rent, but my credit is shit. I find that to be, well, I find it to be really fucking sad, but you <laughs> see what I'm saying? Where it's yeah, like, it's like you have such oh, good I'm rapport for actually enough.
0: paying someone else every month, and yet you, you your credit score, which is determined yeah by other people, is it reflects poorly on your yeah on you. In fact, you've been paying lots of money very consistently.
1: Yep, that's right. So you know, Peacock Group is definitely going through some changes and weird shit right now that I won't even bother to get into. It's nothing too bad, but it's just like, what are we going to do? What's the next chapter? Because I want my own fucking building. Yeah. I, I don't want to pay for this shit anymore. I don't want to pay for these fucking rich assholes, and they are. They, they cannot fix my lights. It took them five months to fix my garage door. Wow. My, my fire escape door, as of right now, it is rusted open. And what I mean by that, it's not latched. It's been that way for two fucking years, which now I'm going to have to go fix it because if this podcast goes live and somebody here hears it, they'll be like, hey, we're a crowbar away from some sweet fucking shit. And it's like, <laughs> how often do I have to remind these guys? And, and they're the typical fucking old white guys who smoke and go, you know how hard I work, buddy? To which I say, no, you don't work hard. You think you work hard, but I'm at the same building you're at Yeah, and I have to do your fucking job. So what frustrates me is like, People say, well, if you get your own building, you'll say, yeah, I know that. I fucking know that. Nobody has to tell me that. But you know what? Then I have the joy of actually fixing my own shit. If I were to guess, if I were to guesstimate how many hours I put into just upkeep of the shop that I'm paying someone else to upkeep, Mm -hmm. oh, I'd say I put in about 15 hours a week of changing light bulbs or fixing the door or doing something yeah because they don't and so like now i'm starting to take you know uh uh, i'm starting to actually write it down and shit and i'll bill them i'll (laughs) fucking right i'll bill i'm 95 dollars an hour yeah man i'm the best sweeper ever you know so anyway sorry go on with your questions and i will uh i will answer your questions
0: tell me uh tell me about the fourth r you know we have reduce, reuse, recycle, and you're always pushing the fourth R, which is repair. You get a lot of people coming into your shop with seized seat posts, and uh, and it is a very good reminder to to me when I see that to always occasionally pull my seat post and grease, grease it. your fucking seat post. <laughs> yeah, public service <laughs> announcement in service of Eric. You got to be one of the one of the most uh, experienced uh, <laughs> seized seat post removers uh, on the planet by now. You do it so regularly. Um, do you, do you like that you've established a reputation as someone who can solve these problems or do you almost wish people would stop knocking on your door?
1: Um, I wish people would grease their fucking seat posts is what I wish (laughs) would happen. Um, I honestly, I kind of hate removing them and I just upped the price from $50 to a hundred.
0: Yeah. Just so maybe
1: it'll start getting out there that like people are like, Hmm, I went on a bike ride in the rain. Maybe I should look at that seat post thing. Cause that asshole on the internet makes fun of people. And yeah. here's deal: I kind of do. It's kind of funny. You know, I enjoy it. It's a little therapeutic for me. Uh, I don't really care to remove stuck C posts. And I even had someone with a peacock groove come in and they're like, I dreaded this day. And I'm like, Oh my fucking God. Cause they walked in with their frame and a C post still in it. And I'm like, no, really dude. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, well, what can you do to save the paint? And I'm like, have you been paying any attention to anything I do? Like, <laughs> this wrecks things like yeah. you don't get it. And, you know, then he tried to say like, well, you know, if it was reamed right And I was like, dude, don't even go down that road. Cause I guarantee you that thing is brown and black gunk in there. And it's all dry. I guarantee it Yeah. because this is how it always is. So I hate slash love removing CAC posts, but the fourth R and that's part of the fourth R. And that's really important to me is, you know, repair because we live in such a, in such a, uh, a consumer-based world now that people only assume that you can buy things, and so it bothers me. And people are like, "Well, I'll just throw this away and get a new one," and that really bothers me because like that could be kept out of the landfill. That could be kept and given to somebody who's poor. That could be kept and given to someone. Oh, I don't know. Like we have a lot of immigrants that could you know don't have a fucking car or something. You know, like there's all these options that these things could be saved. They can be saved. They could, they can stay out of the landfill. And sometimes they're perfectly fine bikes, you know? Mm-hmm. And all it has is like a stuxy post or like the dropout broke, and like, they're like, hey, this bike was given to me by my dad. It was the last thing that he gave me before he died. I re- it, this means something to me. So I'll fix that shit. And it, I'll say it here, and it really bothers me when there's other frame builders out there. And you know who you are. If you're listening, you know who you are. Um, they say, well, repairing things is beneath me. You know, really? Really? <laughs> you you that fucking godlike are like, oh, you can't fucking fix something? So let me tell you a quick story of, to me, why it's important to fix shit and why I think it's uh, according to not just me and Kendrick Lamar, but to stay humble. And uh, the story is this. One day, this kid comes in. And I've seen him around the neighborhood, little fixy kid, and he's got a broken dropout. And he's like, hey, man, my dropout broke. Do you think you can fix this? And I was like, yep, I charge 50 bucks to fix that. I bet you don't have 50 bucks, do you? And he goes, no. And I go, and I jokingly said, does your, does your mom bake apple pies? I like apple pies. And he's laughing. He's like, yeah, she does. And I was like, oh, whatever. And I was like, come back in a half an hour. It'll be done. And he's like, really? And I go, yeah, really. And he goes, I, but I don't have 50 bucks. And I go, I ain't going to charge you 50 bucks. And he goes, okay. And he like runs away. So I fixed the thing. And as I'm fixing it, my asshole friend who was there at the time, who I'm kind of no longer friends with, goes, dude, I don't know why you're fixing it for free, man. You know, you're behind on shit and stuff. And I go, Hey, this kid ain't got shit. I know he doesn't got shit. And I see him ride this and it brings him joy. So it's, it's 20 minutes of my time versus years of his happiness. Mm -hmm. Do the math, man, you know, suck it up. I'm going to, so I fix it, you know, and he pedals away and he's all happy. And so later that day, me and asshole friend are sitting out on our little, our move in and move out couch. It's a couch on wheels, which I no longer have. It's very sad. And here I see this lady walking up the street, and she's got something in her hands. And I was like, that's that. Oh, God. Here comes this lady. She's all teary-eyed. She's got a fucking apple pie in her fucking (laughs) hands. And she's like, are you Eric? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I'm so-and-so. And I go, yeah, you're such-and-such as mom. She goes, yes, what you did was so nice. And I go, you did not have to do this. I was kidding. And she's like, no, I had to, and, and my friend goes, ooh, pie, and I was like, no, you don't get any fucking pie, wow. you're an asshole, you didn't want to do this, this is our pie, so I said to the lady, I go, hey, you want a beer? She's like, oh yeah, I'd like a beer, so I go and I get a beer, and we sit and talk, and she's like, you know, uh, the, the dad went away, went out to, over to Iraq, I believe, killed, dead, so, uh, you know, go USA and you know they don't have much and that bike was very special to that kid and all that shit and i fixed it so yeah. after that i you know and another experience which i won't go into i was like you know what this means something and so sometimes a bike even though it's a shitty bike even though it's some crap bike it might mean a lot to that kid to that family mm-hmm. so guess what i fixed it and it didn't mean you know it was 20 minutes of my time and who knows? I haven't seen the kid, like, really since, so I don't know if, you know, they moved or what, but it it was very moving and it was a very good pie, but I was pissed off because, like, my friend was such a douche canoe, you know, and he was like, oh, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, you know what? You're always hanging out here. And you're not, Like, you're not contributing. You know, like, do yeah. something. Like, sweep yeah. the floor or fucking something, you know? Yeah. Don't, they're like, I hate to say it, but. Um, some of my friends who I don't associate with anymore, they're like little Remoras. They just follow the big shark around and try and eat the, the fucking crumbs, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. fucking do something, you know? Like That's why I, if people talk shit online, I'm just like, whatever. And I mean, I know some people like really hate me for that Prince bike. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I made it into fucking museums, plural. What'd you do? I don't plural. care if you like me anymore. Because now oh, there's a whole general populi that knows about custom bikes through my efforts and through my imagination. Yeah. What have you done? What have you contributed? You know, and I don't want to sound all egotistical about it, but it's like, it pisses me off when other people try and put other people down for just something stupid. Like, look, man, I know that I like here and I'll open it up here. I know that people uh, wrote to nabs and complained that I won because of, of whoever I am.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course you know what, dude? Been.
1: Here's, here's the problem with that, Joe. I'll tell you is that, it hurts me personally that these people would complain to Don, but they wouldn't come to me and ask these questions. They wouldn't yeah. say, Hey Eric, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause they think, uh, apparently a few of them think that, uh, I got a free booth with head. Um, incorrecto, no, I pay for my shit. Head and I used to travel together all the time because guess what? We're in the same fucking state. So we'd travel together mm-hmm. and you know, so like sometimes, we'd just split a booth. We would buy a big booth and split it. And we used to be able to do that because it was kind of a down-home show and we didn't, you know, like Don knew it was happening and it wasn't a big deal. Oh, and and then then that asshole at Peacock Groove wins nabs and now we have to, oh, Peacock Groove ruined nabs. Now we have to change the fucking rules and make sure everything's in writing and triplicate because, you know, it's like, are you guys that insecure? Mm -hmm. Fuck, man, I'm insecure, but you're that insecure. So what, what bothers me the most is I'm constantly called the most immature or kid or whatever. But yet when I've had an issue with somebody, I've gone and I've talked to them like an adult, like mm-hmm. a person. And it bothers me that these people, like, they couldn't even approach me. They had to pull a fucking Cindy Brady and go tattle, tattle, tattle. <laughs> whatever, man. You know, blow it out your ass. It's fucking high school all over again.
0: Yeah, man, you're the real deal. You're the working brand. You got the real shop with the real overhead. You've been building bikes since I was a toddler. Uh, you know, you, you got the, the legacy of you worked. So you started working, uh, making bikes for Kroll. And then and then you that, that lasted for a handful of years. And then you started Peacock Groove doing your own product line and also doing contract manufacturing for other people. Is that sort of the, the storyline? That
1: is yeah, you just summed it up basically, boom that's the history pretty much
0: <laughs> yeah I mean you're you're really doing it you uh you got the space and you stayed in it longer. I think a lot of people get jaded on the bike industry. it's a hard place to to really uh stay stay with it you know I think it's like a a lot of people say it's a it's a young man's game or something you know a lot of you know, a lot of teenagers and young people working in bike shops and as you get older. A lot of people, uh, you know, they become a sales rep for some company or they, they find greener pastures outside of the bike industry. And you've been, you've been hacking through it for decades. You've been making it happen. You've been making quality work. Interesting stuff. I love the power trike. I love the Minneapolis Moline bike, the Prince bike, and the Evil Dead stuff. <laughs> you've been making all sorts of cool and interesting and remarkable stuff. Meanwhile, you got these contract manufacturing jobs. You're making uh, really cool, stable, uh, not stable, like solid stuff. And, uh, you got these haters and, um, they don't know what to talk about.
1: Well, you know, I don't, I kind of don't get to hate sometimes. And I kind of do. And like before I'm going to get egotistical for a minute here. I hate, I hate fucking talking like this, but to be honest, before I came along, people didn't have a fucking imagination here. They stuck to the same fucking lug set and oh, all this, and it's like nothing differentiated from, from the next guy. And you can argue and say, oh, well, Danucci does this with lugs, and fucking Osell did that, and Chris Qualley does this. Yes, I get it, but the general public ain't going to fucking get that. Mm-hmm. You know, a toothbrush is a toothbrush to me, but if I ask a the dentist, he will be like, no, that fucking shit sucks. That's a terrible toothbrush. Don't get that. And I'd be like, oh, well, I wouldn't know. So when I came around, I tried to be all imaginative and quite often... Uh, times one of the, a person that I worked for a long time ago, I said, Hey man, we should do this. We should get these stuff cut out of, out of laser cut out of stainless steel and we could do this as a head badge. And that person who won't remain nameless quote said, <laughs> that's a bunch of faggot shit. Don't do that shit. Wow. Ain't fucking jewelry. And I, and I was like, Oh, I was like really sad. I'm like, we didn't have to put it in those terms. And you know, when you segue as I'm going to, from, from that to, do I have a history? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been around. I've seen a lot of things. I've worked on a lot of bikes and worked in a few places. Uh, there's something about the hashtag working brand that is funny in that um, I'll tell you why I did hashtag working brand. So before I got into Instagram, which is like, I don't know, five years ago or something, I don't even fucking know. I don't know. Um, I didn't know what hashtags were. <laughs> a friend of mine, Randy, had to tell me, explain to me, like, no, no, you hashtag things. And I'm like, well, why is everybody hashtag everything? He's like, well, you don't need to hashtag everything. When he explained it to me, I was like, Oh, so you're just cataloging pictures to this? He's like, Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I get it. So I looked around and I did hashtag working brand. And the reason why I did hashtag working brand is because there's another brand in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is not the Twin Cities, <laughs> and they have a hashtag party brand. Oh, and wow. I'm going to be forthright and honest. I hate that fucking hashtag. I hate that fucking <laughs> motto. When I think of hashtag party brand, I think of like all the bros that I see mm-hmm. wearing sandals with their polo shirts and a Bud Light with a crooked fucking golf visor on or uh-huh. a car plane visor going, dude, I'm going to totally bang Shelly tonight, man. She's fucking hot, dude, bro. That's what I think of, and that's what I hate. I hate bro culture. I fucking can't stand it. It's the work. Yeah. So I came out with working brand for two reasons. One, first and foremost, it's what I am. It's what Peacock Groove is. Yeah. I actually make what I sell, engineer, and design. That is what I do. My hands get dirty, I get cut, I bleed, I burn. And you don't get that shit from behind a computer unless it's a really shitty computer, and then you can <laughs> get at least burnt. So it bothers me so much that so many brands, not this, this particular brand, but they latch onto the Minneapolis culture. But guess what? I don't ever see those punks in Minneapolis. I go to lunch there. I ride. I go see movies. I never see them around. You know? And yeah. maybe that's just how it is. But, um, So first and foremost, I have working brand because that's what I am. That's what Peacock Group is. It's a working brand. That's what it is. Yeah. The other, I would say 20% of that, is yeah, I'm making fun of party brand because I hate it. Because I hate that fucking hashtag. Yeah. And I I don't like it. I know where it came from, I know where it started, I know all that bullshit. And I know a lot of stuff behind it. And let's just say, like, I found out more about a company that I really used to love and found out the inner dealings and how they treat other people and and, and how they plan and make fun of other companies. Mm hmm. And They should be ashamed of themselves. They really should. Like, they really fucking should, man. There are some creative people out here that can't get a fucking break, that have great ideas and great brands and great businesses, but they can't get behind it because they don't have an $800 million a year company behind them. Plain, simple. So if you want to support the local craftsmen, if you want to support the local crafts people, if you want to support people who are marginalized and stuff, then fucking do it. Don't just say you do it. Do it. And in, on that note, about the industry in general, which, you know, I love and hate, this frame building industry needs to recognize that, and they need to be more inclusive and understanding. And if you don't believe me, walk a show floor, mm-hmm. you know? I get it, and I understand. And I know why women don't want to be a part of it, because there's a whole bunch of pigs out there, and unfortunately, they support themselves. Uh, two years ago, someone said something about a lady in a short skirt, and that's why everyone's going to the... Uh, to their booth and I said maybe it's because what she does is really good and I was laughed at and told fucking you don't know what you're talking about and I'm wow. like huh. So that's what, we're, that's what we're dealing with so there's this ugly side that people don't want to acknowledge they don't want to confront
0: mm-hmm. they don't
1: want to do and the industry needs to grow up and we, we need to do better and we need to be more inclusive and we need to give the people who uh, are starting to notch down a hand up because yeah. let's just be honest. I mean, we see it and you're a part of that younger generation that needs to be part of that change. Cause I tell you what, the old boy begrade, they ain't going to change it. They don't fucking care. And the thing is that even though I kind of quote unquote fit into that, I don't fit into that. I've mm-hmm. never very, very, very rarely have I felt welcome in my own industry. And yeah. that's kind of fucking pathetic. You know, it's like, I've been around man. I've made lots of bikes. I still get made fun of. And then I'll see somebody copy something that I did and I'm like, "Ha ha. You can make fun of me. I said it to this way. I had an argument with a another builder. And I said, I said this to him. I said, "Well, you can either use my equipment or you can make fun of me, but you can't do both." Yeah. And and that's what it was. It's like, you know, dude was close in proximity to me. I won't tell who. But uh, you know, I know they're all laughing it up, yucking it up at my expense. Um, yeah, who got on TV? Oh, wasn't you? That's right. It was me. Yeah. Oh, who got their shit in the museum? Oh, that's right, me. Yeah. So laugh it up, fuzzball. You know, laugh it like up fuzzball. It pisses me off. It's like <laughs> that they're that insecure mm-hmm. that they have to make fun of me. Like, dude, I'm the easiest target in the room. Yeah. I put myself out there.
0: Yeah, you, you do. Know? I appreciate and that. You got what you I got a do. unique thing you got uh, a lot of attitude and a lot of, uh, I think, you know, you're just your personality goes into the work that you do, and it shows. And, uh, yeah, if anybody's looking for an easy target, it's, it's certainly someone who's doing irregular stuff, and I think it's brave to, to do that sort of work well, anyway.
1: I tell people the tallest blade of grass gets cut first, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's how that is. And if, hey, man, I wish I only had to do one lug set. And, you know, have a palette of four colors. That'd be cool. But I can't do that. Like, personally, I can't do that. I have to twist it. I have to change it. I have to have shit water jet cut. I got to polish it. I got to put lights on it. You know, I mean, I remember one year we had light up dice on a bike because the dude liked gambling. So we did like a blue dice gambling theme. Wow. And it was fucking cool, man. Yeah. We machined these little dice out and put blinking lights into them and... You know, I put them on the four corners of the wheels on the end of each QR because it was a single speed. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we just screwed them in. So they would blink and people are like, you could see like older builder guys walk by, especially the judges. They walk by and just go, ugh. And other people would be like, well, that's really cool. And I go, yeah, and technically you're not supposed to have blue flashing things. Like he could get pulled over because it's <laughs> a, some cop's thing or something, you know, some yeah. legal thing. But yeah. I was like, fuck it. Like, how mad can you be at blue blinking dice? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Like, you know what? you Battles that, Officer. That makes you me know, think about
0: is- how uh, in the custom bike world, it seems like a lot of times it's it it feels like a lot of times builders are building things almost to impress their peers as much as they are to make impressions on just average, everyday cyclists and like their customers or something. And I see what you do with your expression with the custom work that you do is being very broad strokes, very obvious things that really like can resonate with people because they have the the capacity to totally understand it. You, you don't need to have carved a bunch of lug sets to really admire the beauty of any of the work that you do. It's, it's more, it's more obvious. It's like, this is a star Wars themed bike. This is a tractor themed bike. And I think that's honestly a lot more fun and accessible to other people. You don't need to be some sort of industry insider. It's not like um, you're, you're not just talking to your your peers who get it or something. You're not like at some fancy art gala where you have to have studied art or something to get it it's like it's i feel like it's more like for the the average cyclist and for average people not to say that it isn't also refined in those other ways but it's like i feel like it's it's got something there for um for everyday people to to actually understand and care about, which I think is really cool, and you don't see that all the time. A, a lot of these bikes, I think you need to have some sort of competency about the construction methods of handmade bikes to really be able to discern the quality between one weld or another or like the amount of work that goes into carving one lug set versus another, etc.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's good that you bring that up because the work that I do and what I like to do is like first and foremost I like to impress myself, which I know it sounds kinda gaudy, but I do. I like to look back and go, ha, ha, I did it. Cool. You know, regardless of what it is. But secondly and most important, it's impressing the customer who bought the bike or who commissioned me to do the work, whatever. And third off, it's like I believe that is part of our job to spread the knowledge and the joy to the mainstream, to people who don't get why bikes cost nine, ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. Um, I don't care. It, it'd be like telling other people that you know, like you know, in the second world, like oh, I commute to work. Well, of, of course you do. We all know that commuting is good by bike. We don't need to convince the industry that we need to convince the mainstream. So I always thought it's my job to grab the mainstream's attention more than it is my peers or whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like they're always going to find something to pick on me. Um, someone who I looked up to really insulted me at uh at the last philadelphia show that i was at and mm-hmm. i was like really hurt and bummed out and i was like wow why well, see where you sit now asshole you know like he just was a really condescending jerk mm-hmm. and that bums me out but anyways like i like it when people stop and it can be different people from all walks of life and if they like that bike then, then you're cool you know what i mean like whatever and and a crazy example I have of this is that I was in, um, you know, no matter what I say, I'll probably be told I said it incorrectly. But I don't know if you know that I have this bike. It's the APHP ten thousand. It's painted like a pack of uh, of Brock's jelly nougat candy. You <laughs> just have to Google it to see.
0: Yeah, I've seen. But this it has one. twenty yeah.
1: inch fat wheels. The tires are twenty inch fat V fat bike wheel, so it's it's a mini fat bellow is what it is, I made a couple because I thought it'd be funny to make a mini fat bellow because I'd never seen one, and I did. Mm-hmm. So here I am on this fucking standout, pain in the ass, really odd looking bike, cutting through a little sketchier section of North Minneapolis. And I'm like just going home after you know having some fun riding this bike and come up to this light and this fucking car full of some bad looking dudes pull up and they're looking at me up and down and i'm getting a major stank eye going and i'm thinking to myself oh boy what's gonna come out What what are they gonna say and you know i'm quoting this dude but he goes fucking hey homeboy sweet bite nigga see you around man and i was like uh yeah I'll see you guys later <laughs> oh bye but it was like crazy because this dude gave me props and a high five and they, and they like split. And I was like, hmm, they liked it. That's cool. You know? So to me, it's like, how do you get the attention of someone who may not like bikes instead of someone going, I wish these assholes weren't on the road to saying, hey, that's a cool bike. Is that handmade? Mm-hmm. If we can switch that, if we can get the mainstream people who don't like bikes or who don't like us, if we can get them. like what we do that's where we win that's why i repair bikes because a lot of people who bring in bikes that need to be repaired they don't want to go buy a five thousand dollar entry level gravel bike you know Mm -hmm. they see that and they're like are you kidding me so we're coming out of this part in the industry of we're like these aren't toys these are real life things that people spend a lot of money on like fishing rods or guns or boats or cars yeah this is a legitimate thing so how do you change that perspective what do you do well i don't know i just do what i do and people like it and you know it's really weird we have a—I have this little hallway next to the shop it's like an alleyway
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's not an alleyway but sometimes people drive down it thinking it's an alleyway and then they get stuck it's it's kind of funny but really annoying
0: mm-hmm.
1: so when people go back there i have to go like what are you doing here you can't be here blah blah blah. i'm like building security we've had it now twice now where i've gone i and talked to some people and he goes hey man what's on your arms and i'm like oh it's peacock group he's like hey man you made that prince bike? i saw it at the wiseman and i'm like yeah yeah that was me like no way dude that's you that's and awesome. it would turn out you know from me asking these people, like, you got to leave because you can't be back here, you know, doing whatever, to them getting a tour of the shop and they're like, man, I never knew bikes could be made here. And they're like, when I found out that some dude from Minneapolis made a Prince bike and now I met him, whoa, dude. And so it's it's really bizarre that that bike has reached so many people. And, you know, like I've gotten emails like, I want one, Uh, you know, how much would you charge to make another one? And I'm like, well, I I made one and I'm only going to make one. And they're like, dude, I'm trying to give you money. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm telling you, I'm not going to make another one because I'm just not going to, you know. Mm-hmm. For one, I only made one to make one. And two, I'm not going to try and make money off of his name because that's just, yeah, eh, whatever. But three, it's like, yeah, they might come after me and sue me and then <laughs> then I'm going to need to do uh, a little moving over to Wisconsin or something. But <laughs> it's it's cool that these people that I don't even know, yeah have seen and and what I've done has some type of resonance with them that yeah. that's the fucking magic that I like you know what i mean that yeah. that makes that makes it worth it
0: yeah I appreciate that I think you know the broad strokes approach, if you want to call it that to trying to to meet the public where they're at versus just speaking the uh, sort of insider talk to folks who are um, up to speed enough to to notice the little subtle distinctions. I mean, I think there's like value and, and both of them can be interesting and both of them have their place. But I see you as uh, uniquely further in that direction than most other custom builders. Ooh, that sounded interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm with my family in a, a little vacation house for the weekend, which is pretty swank, and there's a loon alarm clock that goes off <laughs> every hour on the hour, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty funny. I forgot about that. You know what's funny that. about loons? What? I'll tell
1: you what, because like, we, I know a lot about loons because I'm in Minnesota, and we, 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 we really like loons here. Have you ever seen any like, jungle movie? Like there's always some you know like war movies, there's jungle, and they always have like the eerie that eerie bird call. It's always <laughs> yeah. a loon. Yeah. You know what's funny? Loons aren't in jungles. They're no. just totally not. No. They're they're pretty much North America thing. You know, so it's funny when you're watching like, you know, Predator Four, and you hear, Ooh! I'm like, yeah, that's a loon, man. Loons aren't in jungles, just so you all know. So it's it's really funny, and I mention that to people, and they're like, Are you sure? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I hope I'm right. Otherwise, <laughs> I've been a dumbass. You know for my whole life but so yeah loons loons are funny man but uh yeah what's your next question joe i got i got all the answers
0: well uh i know you were saying you had to get going around now uh how are you doing on time
1: oh i, I got time Zora's open i'm waiting for him just to roll in so all right you know that's how we roll on a sunday i all i've got to do is
0: tell design me about a
1: bike i'm excited we're gonna
0: tell me about yeah. red hot frosting is that what it's called red hot icing
1: uh red hot icing yep uh jesus what do you want to know about
0: it is that open to the public for one-offs if somebody wants their bike powder coated a single color is that something that you do just for your own products uh what's the idea there nope we are we are open for business will we're not really like oh my god taking in like you know
1: other builders work and stuff because i want to get about a year under our belt before we start taking
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: like i don't want to say real jobs but real jobs yeah. Because, you know, once you get into that whole, like, shipping in and shipping out shit, yep. um, you don't want to ship it back, you know, yeah. to get it redone. Yep. So we're doing okay. We're still learning a lot. And one of the reasons why I started it is that because, like, quite honestly, like, it's hell getting bikes from painters. And it's yeah. hell getting bikes from painters around here. And there's only a few people doing powder coating. So whatever I can do to cut lead times and make things faster, yep. I'm trying to do. And I had a subletter leave the shop rather unexpectedly, which has not helped my life. And I was like, well, we got about 800 square feet where we can put in, you know, a little booth in an oven. And with no capital, you know, I sold a couple of personal things at a huge loss to do this because I believe in it. And to me, it makes sense because like now, you know, I'm looking at it right now and I'm like, I'm actually going to be putter coating some disc rotors later. We tape off the braking surface. Mm-hmm. And then we'll powder the, the aluminum spider of it. Nice. And so far, people think that's pretty cool, and we can do that to match bikes. And so I'm trying to take like the whole deep custom kind of approach to it, where, like, everyone's like, "Well, you can't do that." And like, man, let me tell you something. Since the day I was fucking born, all I've heard is, "You can't do that. You'll never be able to do that." And I wish I grew up in a more supportive environment, or just in a more supportive like people, because everyone, so you can't do that, and and I tell you what, along these lines of the reason why I started it, because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, um, sometimes when I ask a painter to do something, they're like, oh, do you know how much time it'll take? No, I don't fucking care. This is what I want. Here are the monies. Please do this. You know, like, dude, you know how many disc wheels and all this crazy shit that I've had custom painted mm-hmm. and all this shit? I know it costs money. I don't care. What I'm going for is, uh, boom, this is what this bike looks like. And now on that degree, since you were talking about the tractor bike and this all kind of comes into this whole, like, whoa. Um, So I've been riding the tractor bike a lot lately, like every day because I blew up a car. So now I'm using my little trailer and I'm towing things with a sandblaster in it and I'm out there in the fucking hot heat and sweating my ass off. And it's really crazy because a lot of people, like, I'm not kidding you, in the last, like, Months i've been approached by like eight people ten people and they they'd say hey man where'd you buy a bike like that i'm like well and they're like well you bought it didn't you and i go well no and they go you made that and before i can even like start to talk they're like you couldn't have made that where'd you buy that and i say no no i made it go you can't make that you you actually weld like you can weld you can make that and like this is just an obvious like litmus test of this is how far we've come to go back to what we were talking about earlier. in the whole consumerism of it. Yeah. People in America only think that you can only buy things, that that's how you have things, you know, Yeah. like the makers, no one knows that we are out there making things, building things, fabricating things. Somebody has to let them know, you know, and, and that's why I'm proud of cake because cake got picked up by uh, a show called made for the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And they came down and did a little segment on, on how these bikes are actually made. And, you know, like they, they leave out a lot because they have to, because they're appealing to a mainstream crowd too. I -hmm. get it. But it was so crazy to talk to these people like, no, I made this like, no, how do you just make this? And I'm like, well, this is how, so I spend a lot of my time talking to people about this is it because maybe they go home and maybe they search, you know, around on the internet and maybe they follow somebody's Instagram, you know, feed. Mm -hmm. and maybe that that's one more person that goes oh these bike people are okay maybe i'll give them three feet on the road you know Mm -hmm. but it's it's super frustrating to hear from these people who go no you can't make that you can't make things here and let me tell you like it sure is tough when the city's like nope no more industrial area all housing you know and it's like dude we have a housing crisis but all we have is condos going up in in minneapolis it's Dude, there's a new condo on every fucking corner around here, and it's like, wait a minute, who's living in these? What? Yeah. $600,000? What? You know, like, what fucking job? You know, it's funny to be like, this is your entry-level condo, and I'm like, bitch, what are you, what? You know, like, what's, what's an entry-level condo? You know, like, I know what an entry-level bike is, but, um, <laughs> gee whiz. But you, I think you can have more fun on a bike. Well, depending on the circumstances than in a condo. So it's it's weird though, that it all goes back to like red hot icing came about because I had a a specific need Mm -hmm. and the only one who was going to meet it was me. And I mean, we're centrally located in Minneapolis and there's a couple other guys, but we're right here, you know, Mm -hmm. we're whatever. And, you know, and, and I think that a little bit of competition is a healthy thing and we have we technically should have enough people riding around here with bikes and things that need to be powder-coated yeah. that, you know, we can all gain from it. You know, yeah. one more powder-coater is, is healthy competition, I think. So, yeah. you know,
0: Now tell me, and I'm not
1: doing it in my garage, so there's that.
0: Yeah. When it comes to Peacock Groove, that's part of what you do, but you, you have your hands on a lot of things, uh, making the cake and, and all different bikes and, uh, and now this red-hot icing and stuff. Uh, how many how many bikes for Peacock Groove brand do you uh, try to, to to handle every year?
1: Um, the last two years have been pretty bad. I've been dealing with a lot of health issues and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I am proud to say that even though I am super late on some things, that we're finishing them, we're getting them done, and we're putting them out in people's hands. And it's hard because with Peacock Groove, it's... They turned out to be just, you know, what I thought would be a hot bike to now, you know, for lack of a better term, it's like we're doing this art bike shit and I can't stop, you know, like Voltron themes, Evil Dead, uh, Fury Road, you know, we copied an old, you know, BMX bike for this guy and it's like, those all take time and, you know, I was horribly unorganized and, you know, if anybody's listening that, you know, still expecting a bike from me, I apologize, they know that I've had a lot of health issues and that it's tough to You know, when you don't have insurance, you go in the hospital and you come out and you're like, do I pay this or do I pay rent? What do Mm -hmm. I do? No matter what, I'm fucked. So we've been putting out about one or two a month. And some of them are just, you know, plain Jane, you know, single stage paint and stuff. And that's fine. You know, that's okay. But, like, I'm trying to do, for lack of a better term, a stock size. And I know that that's really cool lately to do. But um, I'm my own best worst enemy and sometimes and it's like i still don't really have a website it's embarrassing and it's sad but it's like i am too busy building the bikes that i have to build to sit down and work on a website for something that i don't have yet so i'll worry about that stuff and in the future or Mm -hmm. now which i am but it's uh you know like i just got back in touch with a customer who i hadn't heard from for a couple of years who said that you know I wasn't emailing him and this and that. Well, I was and I wasn't. It was getting bounced back for some reason. And I finally reached out to him on Instagram like, dude, I haven't heard from you in forever. What's the deal? So we reconnected and we both kind of went, oh, that was dumb. And, you know, it was all because I, I misspelled some of his emails wrong. So he would sporadically get emails from me. <laughs> and it was just, honestly, it, it was, um, <coughs> pardon me, it was dumb because here's why. And anybody listening who wants to be a frame builder, do this first go to business school, learn how to run a business, learn how to be in good contact and good communication with your customers and clients. If you don't do that, you're going to find yourself in a fucking hot mess and you won't know what to do. Yeah. And I tell you what, like I have made the best of enemies and the worst of friends. You know what I mean? And I don't want it like that. And now, you know, like I've had a couple people try to come and help me and you find out that they don't have any work ethic or, any managerial skills and I'm like dude like I can't babysit myself and you you know and like we have to sell bikes which means you have to sell bikes in order for me to pay you like this is how it fucking works
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: so it's frustrating when someone says dude I'll come down and help you and then it's the opposite it's like I'm even now more fucked because now I have to call people because of what did you say to them I don't know then you have to find out so it's always kind of an adventure and you know, like I've tried and I've tried to do things right. And some things haven't come up right, but now with the website getting a little bit better um, you know, I get a lot of DMS on the Instagram and it's, it's neat, but Peacock Groover, I guess definitely isn't for everybody, but you know, it's, we're not, you know, and if I, if somebody like somebody called me up once and they're like, Hey, can you make me a bike like Quali, which is uh, this builder, Chris Quali, K-V-A-L-E. He builds traditional, very, very traditional lug road, maybe a cross bike here or there. And if you ever follow my Instagram, you see that I poke a little fun at him Mm -hmm. because, you know, he's funny and he hates mountain bikes. But this (laughs) guy is like, he is a gem that not many people know. And his bikes are fucking stellar and world class. Like, they're, they're no joke like beyond some of the best I've seen. Mm-hmm. And the thing is with Chris is that he's not Mr. Out There. He doesn't have a marketing team or a branding team, you mm-hmm. know? He he isn't on the internet. He doesn't really care. Like, he just got a website. He just got a smartphone, like, three months ago. And, but he's like, yeah, but don't text me. I hate that shit. Just call me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, you know, yeah. And he's in the same building as I am, so it's it's kind of nice to have, um... Somebody who makes something I really, really admire and actually treat me like a peer. It's, it's nice that, you know, he's like, this pig welding shit, I don't know, looks cheap. And I was like, fucking man, all you're doing is glorified plumbing. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and he'll laugh and he goes, yeah, aren't we all? You know, and so he's, he's, a, he's my friend, and I like that. And, it, you know, like people see us and they're like, you guys couldn't be different. And to tell you the truth, we couldn't. His friends call me the Antichrist, which I kind of laugh at because I'm like, huh, <laughs> it's kind of like Antichrist, but it's, uh, okay, yeah, I That's get funny. it. funny. So there's builders out there like that who just people don't know about, and, you know, like if they're on a TV show, the average person ain't going to care, you know, because they don't, and the average person is, well, kind of dumb sometimes, but, you know, now that I sound like an asshole, I guess. You know, so yeah. I mean, I like I like making bikes, and I like making sure people know guys like Chris Qualley are out there because I think Chris is kind of a he's definitely a treasure for what we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But a lot of people don't know who he is, and you know, yeah. just because you're a really good builder doesn't mean you have a really good website. Just because you have a really good website doesn't mean that you're a really good builder. Yeah, trust me on that. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I feel kind of jealous that you have uh, so many people around. I'm sure it's obnoxious sometimes also to be bombarded with uh, random people showing up and asking questions all the time, but it's sort of the opposite where I'm at. You know, I'm in Syracuse, New York, which is a smaller town generally, but then I'm my shop is actually uh, like 16 miles south of town. It's in the boonies, and uh, you know, you just don't see, I mean, my landlords make cabinets, but like... There's just nobody really around to talk bikes with and in the local area there aren't any other frame builders or people doing what I'm doing. And so sometimes I hear about people who are more tapped into like a local community of peers and it's like, Oh man, that sounds kinda nice. Like I'm sure there's pros and cons, but uh it can be parts of it sound really cool. It can cool, be good you know? and bad, you know, the like the camaraderie you're describing with Chris Holly sounds it sounds fun.
1: It's, it's nice, but then it's also, like, I get hit up with a lot of, like, hey, you need to sponsor us. And I'm like, dude, I've done a lot of sponsoring, and quite honestly, I haven't seen, you know, people, like, talk us up or do anything like that, and that really bums me out because then another quote-unquote local brand will sponsor me. it was like, oh, my gosh, Shirley's giving us a frame set. Oh, my God, I'm going to suck all the dicks now because they're so cool. And it's like, dude, do you realize they just gave you, like, 40 bucks worth of stuff? You know, like chill out, homeboy, you know?
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and, and when does it mean more?
0: Mm-hmm. You are like,
1: well, if I give away a custom frame, which I have, and to this day I still kind of regret, yep. It's like you're getting the experience. You get fit. I ask you, do you what paint job do you want? Do you like themes, you know? Do you like you know, do you want it to look like sixties surf guitar or you know, it's like what do you offer? And sometimes when people don't know what they're getting You know, it's like, huh, okay, well, was that, (coughs) pardon me, was that, you know, time and money well spent? Yeah. Am I getting, what's my ROI on that? You know, you got to ask yourself that. And and also being a little bit more well known or whatever uh, over here, it's like every, a lot of people ask for shit for free. And I'm like, dude, no, I can't. And then I'm an asshole, you Mm. know, and I'm like, so now I tell people like, where do you work? Yeah. When, when is the most inconvenient time for you to be bothered? I'll come there and I'll ask for something for free. Yeah. You know, like if I'm sitting here and there's, there's a couple of windows you can look in,
0: mm-hmm. I've had
1: people like bang on the windows at Friday night at 10 30. They're oh like, Hey, God. what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm working. Like, what do you mean you're working? And I'm like, fuck man. You see me sitting in front of this bike, welding it. It's ten thirty on Friday night. Like, what the fuck do you think? Yeah. Like, wow. Like, are, did, were you raised by a pile of rocks? Do you not know how life <laughs> works? So if I am mean to people like that, it bothers me. And at the same time, this is, you know, I kind of, I work on one of my cars down here and, you know, people see me wrenching, they'll come over and stop and they'll have a question for me. And I'm like, Hey, I'm not really talking bikes right now. They're like, dude, come on. I just got a quick question. And I'm like, dude, I'm working on this car here. This is my, I have very, very, very little private time. And so, you know, sometimes if people bug me or whatever, I get a little bit upset
0: Rightly so. But at the
1: same time, if it's like if it's a customer, I'll make time for you, you know. Mm-hmm. But if it's just some pud coming off the bike path, like, yep, go fuck yourself, man. Yeah, Sorry, I don't know your shop is right off of the.
0: You your shop is right off of a very big. Uh, what what is it called? The Greenbelt or something? The world famous Greenway. Yep, Greenway. And like okay, just so you guys have to you Green Belt with, here, dude. The garage door the is open. Way. Okay,
1: I have seen probably. 150 200 people go by yeah it's and i mean this is just my little garage door of all right somebody just went by two kids just went by now it's a long pause but it's like yeah we are right yep we're on the this thing this greenway cuts through minneapolis and like you can get almost anywhere stupid fast on it mm-hmm. and it's a really really cool thing four more people just went by yeah it's it's ridiculous dude how many people use it and whether they're fair weather cyclists or not, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's cool to see people out there on their bikes because I mean, in this trying time of being an American, one of the few things that you can do now for free is, you know, go for a bike ride and that's a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter. You know, your, your bike is just like a great dog. It doesn't care who you are. Or what you've been through, but it'll be there for you as long as you grease your seat post.
0: As long as you grease your seat post. Man. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, I appreciate our call today. I think I should get going. Um, I think that's a good point to wrap it up, Um, and I don't want to hold you too long. But uh, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the call. You're always a treat to talk to. Uh, I think you're... You're a frustrated man in a lot of ways, and I relate to a lot of those frustrations. I understand those, and I appreciate the depth of experience that goes into uh, how you feel those frustrations. But I think you're also a funny guy, and I like your bikes. I think that you're you're a bold departure from a lot of the rest of the frame-building world, and I appreciate the diversity (laughs) that we have in this little community that not everybody is doing the same thing. You know I love the the Brad Binghams making the beautiful titanium bikes. I like the the old the old school guys making the beautiful lug work and I like people who are a little more off the walls and unafraid to to like break with convention like you're doing and so uh thanks for thanks for being you man.
1: Oh well, I'm just I'm blushing over here, Joe. I can't thank you enough, man. So if you ever need something just call me up. I'll be there for you.
0: Hey man, next time I'm in Minneapolis, we're going to, we're going to go for a little booze cruise or something on the, on the bikes or whatever it is, whatever it is you do. You know what? We're going to work and I'm going to not bother you. I'm just going to hand you wrenches. You're going to say like (laughs) three quarter box end and you'll be like under some like 78 Hemi something or another and I'll hand you the box end wrench and I'll just, I'll just, (laughs) I'll just be helpful without being a bother because I think that's what you deserve. And I think that's what you need. So, next well, time I'm in dude, Mi- Minneapolis. Thank you very much. And
1: I'd be honored if you stopped by.
0: Cool, man. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, talk soon.
1: All right, Joe. Take it easy, man. See ya. Yep.